says in the book of Revelation, chapter 4, when the throne of God was being revealed, it says in the verse 10 of chapter 4, it says, the 24 elders, they fell down before the Lord Jesus that sat on the throne. And they worship him. And they worship him that lives forever and ever. And they cast their crowns. You remember Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 4, he says, I've kept the faith. I've finished my course. I've fought the, the fight. And now is laid in store for me, and not to me only, the crown of righteousness. Not to me only, but to all those who love his appearing. And here we see these 24 elders. We see the throne of God is being revealed by lightning and thundering. And, all the, and the, Jesus is sitting on the throne of God with the Father at the right hand. And then the 24 elders come forth, the 12, the, 12 apostles, the 12 apostles of the Old Testament, the 12 disciples of the New. And they take their crowns that they had because they lived for God. He said, everybody that lives for God with all their hearts and lives, lives in holiness, they're going to receive the crown of righteousness. And they take their crowns off as they kneel before the throne of God. It says they take it off and they worship him. Oh, praise God. Worship the Lord. What a day that'll be. You stand before the throne of God and you see Jesus there. And he gives you a crown and you take it off and you lay it down and you worship the Lord. You say, Lord, thank you. That's how we worship today. I think of that, of worshiping God. Because he's so worthy. He's so... So good. He's so precious. Worship of the Lord should be on our lip, on our fruit, the fruits of our lips continuously, because He's so good. He's so blessed. It says, as they worship Him forever, they, they, they worship Him that, that live forever and ever, and cast down their crowns before the throne, saying, "This, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure." They are and were created. Hallelujah. And you praise the Lord tonight. Thank you, Jesus. Huh? Hallelujah. What a wonderful Savior. It's good to be here with, with you guys uh, uh, to worship the Lord and to hear God's word tonight. What a blessing. Thank you for his anointing that's already present and abides with us. The Holy Spirit that walks with us as we walk in Jesus Christ. What a blessing. I'm glad you all find you all in health and here tonight. I want to welcome everyone uh, there on, um, on Skype. Uh, see Don, uh, Don Griggs is there over in uh, Tennessee. I think it made it to Tennessee, I guess, Don. Uh, see Linda Tookie and Leyland there. Praise the Lord. All of you there, welcome. Oh, yeah, you're, brother, I'm here. you're still I'm driving. Here over the Join in on that trip, Don. What a blessing! I see, I see you're still driving. Did you ever make it to Tennessee yet? <laughs> oh yeah, I'm, I'm sitting uh, on top of a mountain right now, uh, looking over uh, Gatlinburg right now. Oh. I'm just praising the Lord. I think these people think I'm crazy. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> what a blessing! Good to see you, Don. Thank you, Lord. Good. Hallelujah. I want to welcome everybody and also on YouTube. It's good to have you with us tonight, and we appreciate you being with us in service. Um, we want to hear your comments, so be sure and comment below, and also click on uh, 
subscribe. Uh, we've got a lot of subscribers now and uh, notifications so that we'll notify you of future videos. It's good to see you tonight, Kelly. Good to see uh, uh, good, good to have you with us. What a blessing. We had a good time this morning with you. Uh, God is good. Uh, what a blessing. Say hello to everybody. Hello there, brother. Good to see you, Kelly. What a blessing. God bless y'all. Good to see you, brother. God bless you. Got some good headphones on, looking good. You look, look like you got it all together. And it's good to see uh, Lyndon Tookie there. What a blessing to have you guys today. I miss you guys. I understand that uh, Cedric went to see you guys yesterday and had some visit time. I know he enjoyed that very much. What a blessing. So it's good to have you guys. And I saw y'all for a little glimpse this morning, but then I think Cedric took you away from us. <laughs> what a blessing. Huh? Pure Bride. Oh, Pure Bride's with us today. Pure Bride, it's great to have you today. What a blessing uh, you are to us. Uh, we do pray for you. I know I pray for you personally every day. I pray for every one of you personally every day uh, because I want the blessings of God in your life. And uh you to be blessed, and, and I'm, I know I'm so blessed to have you guys as brothers and sisters in Christ, and I so appreciate that, and love every one of you. Thank you, Lord. I wonder if we start, as we start today, we want to open up, first of all, for any needs that anybody may have, whether it's physical or spiritual, or a revelation that they have, or something they have question of. Anybody have something on their heart? Or, uh, how about, first of all, any needs today? Anybody have a need in their body or their spirit? Everybody okay? The Lord give you production and uh, uh, cause a, a blessing there and use you tremendously and have a good time <clears throat> and a good union with your son and good uh, good doors with him. And Lord, open up something for you to be able to share and help him in his walk. I know he's in a, my grandson, little grandson's in 12 years old, getting ready to get into teenage years. And may the Lord uh, use you to give him inspiration and, a, and an attraction to God that they see in you as well as... Um, it's Zarina also, so we, we pray, and I, I do pray for you and Zarina and, and him every day. And, uh, so, so what a blessing. Thank you, Lord. We will, we will lift that up. Um, Go ahead. I just want to mention, uh, Don, uh, I, I saw that there was a message from Jennifer for you uh, to call us. So something going on, uh, I think it's probably important. Thank you, Kelly. I, I, Cedric may be aware of that message early. I did call, and uh, I did not get an answer, but let's keep uh, Wes and uh, I don't know what, what particular all day going through, but uh, let's just keep them in prayer also. Thank you for mentioning that, Kelly, as our brother and sister in Christ. Uh, we, we know that it's not a strange thing to go through trials and, and different things in our lives, so we definitely want to keep one another always lifted up. We know that uh, the message that the Lord has given us is the truth in this last day, and few people have it, so the enemy's going to try to hinder that any way he possibly can. So we need to lift one another up continuously in prayer. So please do that, all everyone. Uh, Jonathan, it's good to see you just uh, joined us. What a blessing to have you today. Uh, good to be with you this morning, too, Jonathan. Uh, great to have you. How are you doing today, Jonathan? There you go. <laughs> 
Good to see you, brother. What a blessing, man. You've been in both meetings, been here all, been all the time, and I know that Cedric has some fellowship with you, and it's just a blessing. You're a tremendous blessing to us, Jonathan. Keep it up, man. You're doing, you're doing great. It's great to have you, man. God bless you. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. Good to have you tonight. You're a blessing to me as well. Thank you. We pray for you, and you please pray for us. Thank you, Jonathan. What a blessing. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> Anybody else? Uh, Jill? Yeah, that friend that um, he got in, he fell asleep at the wheel. His name is Paul, Paul, Paul Fountain. And uh, wow, I need to show you those pictures, Cedric. He fell asleep at the wheel, and some angle iron went through, uh, Paul went through uh, his chest. Yeah. And it, it looked like it hit his heart. It is so close to his heart. He's got a hole that looks like it's that big around right in his chest. Uh, he's alive, but he needs, we need to lift him up in prayer. Amen. He's physically pretty bad shape. So, anyone else? Amen. It's great to have Sean. Yeah, amen. Sean, I will, I will say this in behalf of myself and in behalf of everybody in this group. It's your first time here. We want you to ask questions. We want, we want you to feel comfortable and to uh, be able to feel open and discuss. And any questions you have or anything, I want you to bring them forth. We've talked some in the past when, when you were uh, over there, but uh, it's, a bless it's such a blessing to have you tonight. It's just such a blessing to see the fruit of labor. And I just want God to bless your life and, and help you and bless you in every way possible. So we want to welcome you. Everybody here welcomes you, and we want to hear from you. So if you have a question about something, man, don't hesitate. We want to hear from you. We want to help you any way we possibly can, okay? It's great to have you, man. God bless you. Thank you, Lord. Anybody else? Todd's been here for two weeks. He's old, he's old, he's old news now. <laughs> he started his new job this week, man. And yeah. the Lord has just been bringing down upon his life, and uh, it's just a blessing to watch God yeah. transform people. And because sometimes I do things that I, I'm like, wait, oh, who, who am I? Because the heart's different, and so the person's different. I do things that, that I don't recognize. God has no problem. When somebody turns their life around and turns and repents from their sin and turn around, God has no problem turning their whole life around and fixing what they messed up, you know, and making things new. He said, if you'll, in Matthew 6, 33, he said, if you'll seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then all these things that are needful will be added to us. And we see that over and over again, how I'm just like, I, I just love the Lord. I see that. I see like, man, look where he came from. Look where he's at. I saw that in, in Don Griggs' life. Uh, you know, I saw him lose everything he had living out of a car. And what even his car, <laughs> Don. And, and I've I seen God completely turn his life around and bless him. I've seen the same thing in uh, Ben's life where God uh, completely turned things around. Larry and Terry's life. I mean, is that the, that's about the story of all of our lives. You know, he's done, yeah. done that in all our lives where we made a mess. And then we come to the Lord, and he cleans it all up. And, and you all like, thank you, Jesus. You know, and, and, and he takes care of his own. And that's why he says, take no thought of tomorrow, 
for the evil of today is sufficient there. Don't worry about what you shall eat or what you shall drink or what you shall put on. For your Father in heaven knows all those things, and he will take care of those if you just do take care of the right business, take care of his business, seeking him, in a time with him and walking with him. I, don't, I, I would never want that old life again, <laughs> would you? I mean, I love the Lord, but the enemy's very subtle. That's why the scripture says in 1 Peter 5, 9, it says to be sober and vigilant because your adversary, you have an enemy that walks around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He doesn't all of a sudden try to make things happen. He takes just a little thing in your life. He'll take just a little thing, maybe a little soft porn, maybe a little, a little lie, maybe this, and it starts like that, and it's, it's like a snowball effect. It just starts adding more sin to sin until you back in that old life. So be aware of the enemy. Be aware of that and, and, and walk in the Lord with all your heart, trusting the Lord. Stop sinning, you know, and, and be in Christ. Have a total repentance where that's it. I'm done with sin. It's over with. I'm living for Jesus with all my heart. Amen? Anybody else have anything on their hearts today? Praise the Lord. Okay, well, let's go to the book of, um, we were in the book of 1 John. Okay, we're in chapter 2 of 1 John. We've been going through, uh, through the Bible this way. We went through James and 1 Peter and 2 Peter, and now we end 1 John. Uh, we went through 1 John chapter 1 last week, which is very interesting, because it talks about, it talked about in, 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 in 1 John chapter 1, it said that if we uh, walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, blood of Jesus Christ. But if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. So if I'm saying I'm... I'm, I'm a Christian. If I'm saying I'm, I'm right with God and I'm walking in darkness, I'm lying and the truth's not in me. The book uh, actually started in chapter 2 and it says, he says, I, my little children, I write these things to you that you don't sin. So that was the whole message of the book of 1 John. He says, I'm writing all these things to you for that. Chapter 2. So he's saying, I'm writing these things to you that you will not sin. And he also says in 1 John, I'm going to skip over just a little bit, in 1 John um, Chapter uh, chapter 5, verse 13, he says again, he says, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may ab believe on the name of the Son of God. He said, I'm writing this. Some people say, well, you can't really know if you have eternal life. That's what he's writing the book for. So if you listen to these things and you do those things and obey those things, then you can know that you have eternal life, that if you die, you know you're going to live forever with the Lord. So this is an important book. John here uh, uh, wrote many books. He wrote the first, first John, second John, third John. Uh, he wrote the book of John and many books that, that he wrote. But here we talked, we left off on, on verse 10 last week of chapter 2 of first John, and we'll start, start back up with verse 10. Um, and it says, first John chapter 2 and verse 10. Okay. It says, he that loves his brother abides in the light. And there is none occasion of stumbling in him. Okay, let's talk about uh, that a little bit, and then we'll move on. Um, so he says, he that loves his brother, he, he's, uh, he abides, he's continuing in the light. Uh, that's a lot right there, and there's no occasion of stumbling in him. There's three important points here. One is, is number one, is that he's loving his brother. What are the first two commandments of the commandments that Moses got from, uh, from God on, on, when he came down? Uh, uh, the mountain. What's the first one? Number one. 
Very good, Larry. That's right. And the second is like the first one, which Ben said. Ben? Yeah, love your neighbor as yourself. Okay, close, close huh, Ben? Yeah, yeah the, the first commandment got, was to love the Lord, your, uh, Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like it. It says to love your neighbor as yourself. So um, all the law is fulfilled in those two commandments. As we saw last week, we looked in Romans chapter 13, and we saw that, little, that love was the fulfillment of the law. Because why? Because love works no ill to his neighbor. Uh, if you love somebody, you're not going to steal from him. You're not going to kill him. You're not going to lie to him. Everything that the law says not to do is fulfilled in love. That when you love your neighbor as yourself, you're not going to do them wrong. You're not going to talk about them. You're not going to be ugly to them. You're not going to do anything. You're going to love them. Now, in the scriptures, there's two words. There's not like um, a love and a like. Like, I like him, but I don't love him. Uh, I love him, but I don't hate him. There's only two words in the scriptures. There's a love and there's a hate. And uh, the difference in those two is if you don't love somebody in the scriptures, you really hate them. Okay? You're either loving or you're hating. There's no in-between. You heard people say, well, I like him, but I don't love him. You know, no, it, it, that doesn't work. You either love your brother or you love your sister, you love your neighbor, or you hate, hate them. And here, as a matter of fact, um, it talks about in 1 John chapter, um, chapter, chapter 3 and verse 15. Well, let's start at verse 14 there. It says here, it says, we know that we pass from death to life because we love the brethren. That's how you know you, you're not living in death anymore. If I, if I hate my brother or if I don't love my brother, you know, who I, can't, who I see, who I can love him, who I can't see, but if I don't love them, I haven't come to, I don't have eternal life yet. So it's necessary that one comes to love his brother because he said you're passing from death to life when you love them. In other words, if you don't love them, you're still, you're still in death. Ben? So have you done much research on that word stumbling in? Have you done, have you looked up, I know you, I mean, because to me, uh, he that loves his brother abideth in the light, and there is none occasion of stumbling in him. Have you researched, I mean, I know we, we know a stumbling, but what, what is it? Okay, let, let, me, let me finish this one, okay. one thing here. Back to 1 John 3 and, and, and 14. We know that we pass from death to life because we love the brethren. He that loves not his brother abides in death. Whoever, whosoever hates his brother is the same as a murderer. So if you don't love somebody, you hate them, and you have the same penalty as a murderer. That's not my words. That's God's words. So it's important to, like, don't have anything in your heart towards somebody else. Matter of fact, the Lord says... It, it, when he was talking about the Lord's Prayer and he was back in, in what was Matthew chapter 5, he said that uh, uh, if, if you don't forgive others, you can't be forgiven. So if I have unforgiveness in my heart toward anybody for anything they've done to me, and we've all had things that people have done to us that were horrible. We all had that. And we, a person can justify their, their hate or they're just not loving somebody because of what they've done to them. They can justify that. But God wants you to, to come to him and say, hey, look what I forgave you for. Look how much I forgave you for. And he compares that in Matthew chapter 18, doesn't he, where he takes uh, these two different men that owed a certain amount. And there was a king, and one owed him like millions of dollars. And, and, the, uh, and, and he went to collect his debt from this guy that owed him a million dollars. He said, I don't have anything to pay 
And so the, the judge there, the, the king was going to go and take him and throw him in jail until he paid the last mite and threw his whole fa- going to throw his whole family in, in jail. But the fellow fell down at his feet and begged for mercy. You know, begged, said, man, have mercy on me. I'll pay you. I, I, have mercy on me. Forgive me. And the Bible says the king had compassion on him and forgave him for all his debt. Now, you can imagine how happy he'd be, you know, forgiven for all the millions of dollars he forgave him for. But then that man walked away and had somebody else that owed him just a small amount of money, like 40, 50 bucks, you know. And he grabbed that fellow by the neck, it says, and he says, pay me all that you owe me. <laughs> that's it. Man. That's the deal, man. Like, and, and, yeah. and he took the guy because the guy couldn't pay his 40, 50 bucks and put him in jail. Yeah. It's, it, him and his family so he could pay him back. And then the, the king got wind of what that guy did. And he went back to him and he says, he says, man, I heard about what you did, paraphrasing. He says, I forgave you for all that debt. And you couldn't forgive your fellow servant that for the little bit that he did to you. And he took that man and he threw him out and, and took away what he, and he, could, he couldn't go to heaven. He couldn't make it. He, he was weeping and gnashing his teeth. He took back and made him have to pay. So and that's what that is, the Lord is showing. He says, that's a picture of what I have paid, forgiven you for compared to what, uh, what you have done and you, uh, what somebody's done to you. What somebody's done to you, they took something away from you. They cursed you. They did something to you. That's nothing compared to what you have done to the Lord all your life. So how can you not forgive somebody after all you've been forgiven for? you just like that wicked servant that grabbed the fellow by the throat and said, pay me. Why? Because he hated him. Because he owed him and didn't pay him. And he couldn't make it in. God has given you still breathing. God has given you the opportunity to look at that and say, you know what? I need to get that right. Because you know what? You can't be forgiven, man. You're stuck. That's the scheme of the devil. The devil can get you not to forgive somebody. He's got you. 2 Corinthians chapter 2 talks about that. He warns the church. He says, forgive those. He says, are we not ignorant of the schemes of the devil? The scheme of the devil to get you to not forgive somebody so that he, you won't make it to heaven. Thank God that God made a way where there's no way. You said something? Yeah, yes, sir. Okay. Second uh, Peter 1.10. Second Peter 1.10, he says. Amen. Give diligence to make your call and election, election sure, for if you do these things, you shall never fall. Amen. Okay, Ben, back to what you were, you were talking about. Yeah, exactly. That's why he brought it out, just to, to bring that out for you. Uh, but, but see, if, if you walk, that's why he says if you love your brethren, there's none occasion of stumbling in you. Because if you walk in perfect love, you're not going to stumble. Because it works no evil to his brethren. So some people say, well, you just you never can get where you don't stumble. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says, of course you can. You must. You must. But it's the love that takes that. It's faith working through love. It works that. So that's the second thing. It says, uh, he that loves his brother, is the first thing, he that abides in the light. Okay, he says he loves his brother and abides in the light. There's two, there's two things that are going on. 
He's loving God, and he's abiding in the light. Now, what does abiding in the light mean? Go to John 15. This is written by the same person in the 15th chapter of the book of John. Look what he says. Jesus is speaking. He says, I am the vine, and you are the branches. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh it away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purges it, that it may bring forth more fruit. God challenges you to, you know, to, bring, to bring forth more fruit, to go out and, and to live that life and share the, share the gospel. But there's a connection there, Todd. The connection is there's it's a branch is connected here to the root or the tree. Okay, as long as that branch is connected, it's abiding on the tree, right? But if a big wind comes and a storm comes and it blows through and I have trees on my property and when the wind's coming, a big storm comes, I always go find branches that have broken off the tree on the ground. Now, if I leave those branches on the ground, when they first get on the ground, Man, they green, they look healthy, they look good. I mean, they look, like, they look like they're alive. But after a week or two, I look at them, and the leaves are brown, and they're dead. What happened? That's the picture also because it's the wind is compared to the storm. When things come into your life that start coming at you, you must abide in the Lord. Stay close to the Lord. Because if you don't abide for, to, with the Lord, what happens the wind blows and the, the branch is broken off. And once the branch is broken off, apart from Jesus said in the same chapter, he says, uh, verse 5, he says, apart from me, you could do nothing. So you, if you're not connected to the vine, if you don't stay connected, if you're not abiding, then you, you can't, you, you'll die. You're either dead to sin or you're dead in sin. One of the two. There's no other way. There's many, many ways to go to hell. But there's only one way to make it to heaven. See, and the biggest sin of all people say, well, that's blasphemy the Holy Spirit. I think the biggest sin of all to do is to do nothing. Don't do anything. Because that's the quickest way to get to hell, to do nothing. If it doesn't cost you something, you don't have anything. If it didn't cost you your life to walk in the Lord, then you don't have anything. If you don't lose your life, you can't have life. If you haven't denied yourself and forgot about yourself and picked up your cross and followed him daily, you, you don't have anything. If you don't have any cost, somebody said, well, I just accepted the Lord. It didn't cost you anything. Buddy, you don't have nothing. You see, it's living for the Lord every day of your life. It's walking him. It's following his stamp, steps. It's, it's committing no sin. It's walking in righteousness. That's what it costs. It costs everything. point and I said this morning in the meeting it's it, you got this gate that Jesus said like you're reading in Matthew 5 that's very narrow and then there's a broad gate right after what he said the broad gate wide is the way and gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction and many go that way 
But what people are trying to do is they're trying to take that narrow gate and they're trying to change the benchmarks, the, the, the landmarks. They're trying to broaden them, you know, like... Dimensions. Huh? The dimensions. Yeah, they're trying to take that, that, that um, what, the landmark, you know, like when you, do, when you mark land, you know, like you, you, you go out and survey land, you, you put a... Uh, huh? Yes, yeah, it's a goalpost or whatever, but they're trying to take it and move it out a little bit more. But they can't change it, Larry, because that's God's, God set up that standard. And you're not going to change God's standard. I've heard people say, well, you know, uh, well, we live in a different culture, so we're going to take that and we're not going to go by what that says anymore. I've heard, I've heard preachers tell, say that. Oh, you know, well, that, that was old time enough when Jesus spoke it long ago. Now we have this new thing and we're going we're gonna to do things differently. No, you're not going to change the standard. The gate is not going to, the, the way is not going to get broader to fit your life. You've got to fit in that narrow gate. I was just going to say, in the generation that we're in, this, everything is just built around convenience and comfort. And so people look for the convenient and comfort way. And that's not it. Yeah. You know? It's got to cost you a lot. Everything exactly the same and get different results. It's just not true. Yeah. You hang on to a little bit. Saying about sin turning to more sin and more sin and more sin. And then you're so deep. Yeah, sin adds, sin causes the sin. It's in Isaiah. But here it says, uh, Jesus said in verse 4, He says, Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can you, except you abide in me. So there's an abiding. And that's what he talks about going back to 1 John chapter 2 and 10. He says, He that loves his bride. His brother abides in the light. Same thing that he said in John 15. And then there's no occasion of stumbling in him because he's walking in perfect love. It's exactly what he said in John chapter 8. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments, and I and my Father will come and live within you. A very good, 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 uh, very strong passage there. Any questions so far? Any comments or questions? Everybody good? Okay, let's go further then. Um, he says, but he that hates his brother is in darkness. Now, if you're in darkness, that's not a good place, is it? You're in sin. You're in, you're in the wrong place. You, you, you got darkness. The Bible says if your eye be single, your whole body's full of light. So it has to be single. You have to be walking in the light. And walketh in darkness and doesn't know where he's going because that darkness has blinded his eyes. Can't even see. Thinks he sees, but he doesn't even see clearly. How many of you, now that you've come to the Lord, now that you've opened your heart up to the Lord, you see things so different? You know, you, you just see, even the word, you know, when you read the word, it's just like, wow, how come I didn't see that before? You know, because your eyes are illuminated. You, you see things. You know, I've heard people say, well, I, I, I read the Bible, I just don't understand. I, I, I can't read a word, and it just doesn't, doesn't, I don't understand it. But then when they come to the Lord, they said, wow, look what it's saying. You know, you have an un he, quick, he enlightens your understanding to understand what the Scripture says. Uh, then he says, uh, after this, I write unto you little children because your sins are forgiven for your, his namesake. Those that come to even the children, I write unto you fathers because you have known him. And that is from the beginning. I write unto you young men because you have overcome the wicked one. I write unto you little children because you have known the Father. I've written unto you fathers because you have known him that is from the beginning. I've written unto you young men because you are strong and the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the wicked one. I never turned this on. I did. Okay, thank you. Um, okay, now verse 15. Here's some interesting one here. Love not the world. 
neither the things that are in the world. So we hear, we listen here, and it says God's saying for us. Why? Because this world is not our life anymore. When you come to Christ, you're not of the kingdom of the world, but you're of the kingdom of God. So he says, don't love the world. Now, what's, what does he mean the world uh, here? Here He explains this. He, he goes further. He says it. He says, love not the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. You're in love with the world and you love all the things of the world and that's where you're finding your pleasure and joy is in the things of the world and you keep buying new toys and new stuff and you're doing all this stuff and keep satisfying your flesh. You love the false is not in you. Don't get ahead of him. But go ahead. Enemy with God, yeah. You know the right, right. Uh, James 4. Yeah, James 4. That is, that's, that's a good point. Uh, and the world passes away and the lust thereof Wait a minute, I got ahead, didn't I? I'm sorry, verse 16. For all that is in the world, here's the three things. I, I, anybody ever read, read Pilgrim's Progress by John Bunyan? You ever read it? Years ago, it must be 30, 40 years ago I read it, and, and it was about, about when his name was Pilgrim. And it, it, it was, it, John Bunyan wrote it when he was in prison for the Lord, and he wrote about, he said that the Lord had revealed it to him. He said, when you walk as a pilgrim, that's what we are as pilgrims walking through, the, through this world in Christ. And Pilgrim was, and they had some other characters in there, and there was another one whose name he met Pilgrim while he was walking uh, down his pathway of life, and uh, he met up with Faithful. That was another guy. He said, hello, Faithful. How you doing? He, he, said, uh, he said, well, I've really had a rough time. He says, what, what, what happened on your walk? And he says, man, Satan's three, three daughters almost got me, man. He says, really? What? He says, what, what happened? What, what were their names? He said, their names, one of them was, uh, was Lust of the Flesh, the other one was lust of the eyes, and the other one was lust uh, was the pride of life, and he, and I'll never forget it because it, like wow, and that's true. He says I was walking down the path, but man, they uh, those, those three they lured me and, and almost went, almost went their way, you know. But God delivered me. But and and these are the three things that the Lord says are the uh, is the world that you're not to love, that you stayed away away from. First of all, is the lust of the flesh. Let's talk about what the lust of the flesh is, okay? Anybody want to start out? What is the lust of the flesh? Anything feels good. <laughs> well, I don't know about anything that feels good. <laughs> lust means uh, a, a, a desire, but a, a vehement desire uh, of the flesh. Now, what is, let's, maybe the best thing to do to, to start this out is what is the flesh? The flesh comes from a Greek word, which is sarks, which means the meat that covers the body. Uh, the flesh is you, is, is this. Now, this has desires. Your, your body has desires. Your body, some of the desires are permissible and good by God. Some of the desires go contrary to what God says, and you don't do those things. Um, for instance, oh, let's, let's, talk, let's, let's go to Galatians chapter 5, and let's see what the desires of the flesh are that you prohibited from doing according to the word of God. Uh, Galatians chapter 5 and verse 19. First of all, he says above that, he says, walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Okay? Um, which means the desires of the flesh. That was the first one, the lust of the flesh, right? First, first one of the three daughters. It was the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of man. So if you walk in the spirit, you won't fulfill the desires of the flesh. You won't do what the flesh desires. 
He goes on and he says that the spirit and the flesh war against each other. The flesh wants something. You know that. You, you're in a warfare. Sometimes it's the flesh is wanting something and the spirit is saying no. And it's which one you give into. Some of, some of us, all of us have given into the flesh in our past. And it cost us greatly, didn't it? There were consequences for some of the things that the flesh would want. For instance, if the flesh wants the drug, to take an illegal drug, and you go ahead and take it, and it leads to another and deeper and deeper and deeper. Pretty soon you're stealing to get money to get the drug. Next thing you know, you're in jail for drug addiction. Same thing happens with, with sexual activity. You, 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 you get married, you, whatever, you, and you have going on with something else, and you end up with that. There's consequences for fulfilling the lust of the flesh. Now, what are some of the actions of the lust of the flesh? Verse 19 says, Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. So here's some of the works of the flesh. Adultery is a work of the flesh. Fornication is a work of the flesh. Fornication outside of marriage is a work of the flesh. Uncleanness, extreme lust, lasciviousness, idolatry, putting something up before God. Witchcraft, which is jealousy, which is the same as jealousy. Hatred, we just, we just talked about hatred, is a work of the flesh. Variance, divisions, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, to envy others. Murders, drunkenness, um, revelings, you know, of rebellion against God, and such like of the which I tell you before, as I've also told you in time past, that they which do these things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. So that is the work, that is some of the works of the flesh there. Now, if we'll turn to the book of Romans, chapter 8, we'll also see what to do about the flesh. Those works that we just read of, well, how do you stop those things in your life? Or what goes on there? First of all, there has to be a, a um, godly sorrow of an understanding that you missed the mark of God, that you were disobedient to God's word and you missed the mark. Uh, and there needs to be a godly sorrow. It's the goodness of God, the Bible says in Romans 2, that leads a man to repentance. But to know that you hurt the Lord, to know that you rebelled against God and you basically hated God because you didn't love him and that you feel sorry for your sin and therefore you cry out to God in a godly sorrow. But that godly sorrow is not just a, an apology. A lot of people like to think, well, that's just an apology. No, no, you, a godly sorrow to the extent that it causes a change to take place in your life called repentance. Repentance is where you've walked in one direction. You decided, no, I'm not going to do that anymore. For instance, a person say he was a smoker. And he decides, you know what, smoking's bad for me. We see all that. And he repents of smoking. That means he quits smoking. He changed his mind. I'm not going to smoke anymore. That would be repentance. So if any sin, whether it was any of these that are listed in the works of the flesh, he turns from that. Then once repentance takes place, then it brings forth salvation. Now, is it salvation forever? It's only salvation forever if you continue to walk in those things and don't go back to the old way. Now, in Romans chapter 8, it talks about the flesh somewhat and the spirit. It says um, in verse 6, it says, For to be carnally or fleshly minded is death. So to sit there and think about things that may come to your mind, I'm going to give you a for instance. The scripture says in Matthew chapter 5, he says it's been told that if you commit adultery, 
you know, you won't, you won't inherit the kingdom. He says, but if a man looks upon a woman to lust upon her in his heart, he's committed adultery already with that woman. That was a lust of what? A lust of the flesh. He gave into that. The Bible says in James chapter 1, it says that, every, that when a man is tempted, he's drawn away of his own what? Lust. That's lust of the flesh. Then when lust has conceived, it brings forth sin. Then when sin is conceived, it brings forth death. That's right. That's right. So uh, he, 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 then he's abiding in death. It's no good for the Bible says in Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. Now we have here in Romans chapter 8, it says, it says here, for to be fleshly minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. We talk about that a lot, guys, about keeping your mind on things that will edify and, and keep your mind spiritual. By speaking to yourself in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart, casting down imaginations and everything that exalts itself against the word of God. Think on those things that are good, pure, of good report. You, you, you put your mind on those things. You don't think about and let your mind dwell on things that are no good. You don't sit, sit there and think about some uh, woman you met years ago or some incident that you did years ago or some drug thing you did years ago. Forgetting those things that are past, the Bible says in Philippians chapter 3, and reaching forward to those things that are ahead of us. To be spiritually minded, he said, is life and peace. But to be fleshly minded is death, he says. Why? Because the fleshly mind is an enemy with God, like you said earlier, Ben. For it is not subject to the law, neither can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. You want to please God? Then get out of the flesh. Get out of thinking about fleshly things. Because it's impossible for you to please God and at the same time be thinking about fleshly things or being in the flesh. You want to know, I don't know how to walk in the spirit. You know how you walk in the spirit? Don't walk in the flesh. Don't walk fulfilling the desire of this, like Larry was saying, but fulfilling the will of God. So it's clear about that. Okay, then let's go a little bit further. Verse 13, uh, Kelly, you mentioned this this morning in verse 13. It says, for if you live after the flesh, what's going to happen? You shall die. But, thank God for the but, but if you through the spirit do put to death or mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. Praise the Lord. There's your answer right there. Okay, let's go back to 1 John chapter 2. That was the, that was the lust of the flesh. What was the next uh, one that uh, he brought up here uh, that was part of the world? The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes. Okay, let's talk about the eyes a little bit here. Uh, what do you, what's going on with your, with your eyes? Praise the Lord. Scripture says, if your eye be single, your whole body's full of light. Um, Job said this, he says, I made a covenant with God about my eyes not to look upon a, a woman, a young woman, or, or not to lust on a woman. He said, I made a covenant with God not to do that. Man, people need to make a covenant with God. God, I'm not going to look, I'm not going to stare at no woman. I'm not going to lust at no woman that walks by or something. That's what Job did. He said, I made a covenant with my eyes not to do that. The Bible says this, he said, I'm sorry? All right. Jesus, Jesus said that if the light is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? That's right. Yeah. Amen. It's beyond just what's your eyes, it's in your soul. It's what you're thinking about, it's what you're constantly hungry for. Yeah. It's true desire. Amen. Amen. That's right, brother. 
The Bible says this in Proverbs 27 and 20. It says, hell and destruction are never full. So the eyes of man are never satisfied. <laughs> That's what Proverbs says. So you think, you know, man thinks, well, I'll just get enough of it and I'll get satisfied. You never get satisfied. Just like hell and destruction is never full, so the eyes of man are never satisfied. That's a good word. Yeah, amen. Yeah, that's, that's strong. Um, Luke, Luke says in Luke chapter 6, he says, if he says, if the blind, meaning if you, 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 you're blind because you're walking after the flesh, lead the blind, what happens? They both follow their ditch, right? But it says, if you got problems with your eye, the Bible says, thou hypocrite. First, take the beam out of your own eye so that you can help your brother remove the moat from his. It doesn't say to leave it in and, you know, just not judge anybody, just don't say anything to anybody. No, it says remove that beam that's in your eye. Remove that thing that's in your eye. Get away from that. So if you, it's like we talked about earlier in Matthew 5. If you're having problems there, like Jesus said, if a man lusts on a woman, he's already committed adultery with her. He says, therefore, pluck out your eye. For it's better to go to heaven with one eye than go to hell with two. And that doesn't mean like sometimes if he takes it, maybe you need to just pluck the whole thing out. But what he's talking about there, if you go into places or you're looking at things that cause you to stumble and go in that direction, pornography, or going to certain places where maybe women are half-dressed or, or something like that and it's, it's, it's causing you to stumble, get away from that. Get away from that computer. Don't go to those sites. Don't, don't let your, get, you know, get rid of your computer. Do whatever it takes, whatever it takes to get that. That's what he's talking about when he says, if your right arm offend you, cut that off. Cut that part of your life off that's causing you to stumble and go back. Because he said it's better to go to heaven with one, one arm than go to hell with two. So cut that part of your, of your life out is what he's saying of the, uh, that would cause that, that lust of the eye. Praise the Lord. 1 Peter, go to 1 Peter while we're here, chapter 2. This is a good scripture here also. Well, they're all good, but I mean, this is, I, I like this scripture. It says verse, uh, chapter 2, verse 11. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And verse 11. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers, strangers and pilgrims. This is not your world. This is not your life. Abstain from fleshly lust, which war against your soul. Do you know that fleshly lust wars against your soul? So why in the world would you want to entertain anything that would only cause you to lust? Because what you're doing is you, you're creating a battle against your soul. You're looking at that stuff or going in that direction. You're creating a battle up inside of you. You're creating a turmoil. Don't feed it that. You are what you feed it. If you feed the flesh, you go, you're feeding it into sin and you're causing a battle up in there, turmoil. That's why he said the flesh and the spirit war against each other. If you, but if you walk in the spirit, you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. Don't give any room for the devil. Don't give any place to the devil. Put those things out of your life. And do away with that. Amen. Okay, the third one. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the, the, lust of the eyes, and what else? Pride the pride of life. Pride. Proverbs chapter 6 says the, there's six things that the Lord hates. Yea, seven. The number one thing that he puts on the list is a proud look. 
God hates proud, pride, proud. As a matter of fact, the Bible says in James 4, 9, 9 he says, he said, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. You want to be opposed by God? God will oppose that proud man, but he gives grace to the humble. In Luke 17 and 10, uh, it, it gives a story in Luke 17. It tells about, he says, if you, if you have a servant that works for you, you've got an employee that works for you, and he's out working in the field, uh, you tell that servant, back then that's the way it was, it says, would they tell that servant, well, come in, sit down, let me prepare something for you to eat, you know, and sit down and eat. No, he says, no, the servant would prepare you something to eat, and then when you're done eating, you would tell the servant, go ahead and eat. He says, so likewise, he says, he says, after you have done everything that you are commanded to do, he says, then say, I'm, I'm an unworthy, unprofitable servant. I've only done that which I was, uh, which was my duty to do. Listen to that. That's supposed to be the attitude of every one of us. We're only doing that which is our duty to do by obeying the commandments of God. We're not anybody. Paul says, Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, he says one man plants, another man waters, but it's God that gives the increase. He says, am I anything? Is, Paul, is Apollos anything? We're nothing. But it's God who does that. We're unprofitable servants. We're only doing that which is our duty to do. How can any man boast of that? Paul says in, in Galatians chapter 6, I will never boast of anything except for the cross and to me, I am crucified to the world, and the world is crucified to me. I will only boast in the cross of Jesus Christ. I want you to turn with me to Daniel chapter 4. Daniel chapter 4. I want to tell a bit of a story here. Uh, there, was a, there was a man who lived many, many years ago, back in uh, around 600 B.C., and his name was Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar was the king of a country called Babylon, which today is Iraq. Uh, and Nebuchadnezzar had gone in and he had destroyed, uh, he, had, he had conquered Israel and took back with him uh, the most learned or best capable children that he could. And of those children, it was four of them that he took back. Uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you remember that, the fiery furnace. And he took back one called Daniel. And uh, these four children grew up and, uh, in, in Babylon. And Nebuchadnezzar got where he conquered everywhere. He was like great in all the land. No one could stand up to Babylon and Nebuchadnezzar. He conquered every country there was to conquer. And one day he, uh, he was, he, but he didn't serve God. He served false gods. And one day he had a vision, and in this vision, he saw this tree, this huge tree, big, big bark. It reminds me of a big oak tree. You know how big oak tree gets big, and the branches, they spread way out up to the sky, it said. And all the birds of the air came and lodged in the tree, and there was much fruit on the tree for them to eat, much meat to eat. And the animals, the beasts of the field came and got under the tree to find shade and to eat off the tree. All the land was blessed because of this huge tree. But then Nebuchadnezzar sees this angel, this, this host of heaven, come down from heaven and say, cut the tree down. And he came and he cut the tree down at, right at the top of the ground. He says, but leave the roots and the bark. Don't destroy it. He said, for it be for, be for a time. 
So uh, Nebuchadnezzar called in all the astrologers and soothsayers, all, every magicians, all of them, and he says, listen, I need to know what this, what this means. I've got this dream or this vision, and I don't know what it means. Would you, I need somebody to interpret it. Well, all the astrologers, all of uh, the magicians, none of them could interpret his dream. So last of all, he called in Daniel. Daniel was a great man of God. When you read the book of Daniel, you'll see how holy and righteous Daniel was, a great, great man of God. And, the God, and God gave him uh, the interpretation of dreams and visions. And God used him greatly. You remember Daniel, was in, he was in the lion's den, and God shut the mouth of the lions, you know, and, and all the miracles God had done with Daniel. Uh, and, and here it was, now he calls in Daniel to give him the dream. Um, in verse 19, Nebuchadnezzar tells the dream to him and wants the interpretation, and, um, and Daniel begins to explain the dream. And it's verse 19, it says, uh, of Daniel chapter 4, Then Daniel, whose name was Belshazzar, that's the name that Nebuchadnezzar had given him after his gods, was astonished for one hour. He was like blown away, oh man. Uh, he says his thoughts troubled him much. And the king spoke to, to Daniel, Belshazzar, and says, let, don't let the dream of the interpretation trouble you. And Daniel answered and said, my, my Lord, the dream be to them that hate you and the interpretation there to, to your enemies. And he says, the tree that you saw, which grew and was strong and whose height reached to, he to the sky to heaven and the sight there was uh, to the earth, whose leaves were beautiful, fair, and the fruit there was much, and then it was meat for all under which the beasts of the field dwelt and upon whose branches the fowls of the heaven had their habitation. It's you, king. You're that big tree. So he's starting to give him the interpretation now, uh, Todd. He's telling him, you're that big tree. He says, uh, you've grown. You've become strong. You, you, your greatness has grown. You, you, you reach to heaven. Your dominion is of the whole earth to the end of the earth. And whereas you saw the watcher, king, Nebuchadnezzar, a holy one coming down from heaven. You saw that one come down to heaven, say, cut the tree down and destroy it. But yet the stump and the roots there of the tree uh, in the earth, even with a hot band of iron and brass and the tender uh, grass of the field, let it be wet with dew of heaven and let his portion be with the beasts of the field till seven times, which means seven years pass over him. So he said, this is going to be a seven year period that this stump is just going to be there. You know that that it's gonna, the tree's going to be gone. It's going to be destroyed. And 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 Daniel says, "This is the interpretation, O King. And this is the decree of the Most High, which is coming upon the King, uh, the Lord of Kings. And they shall they shall drive you from men. People are going to drive you away. And you, you're going to live with the beasts of the field. You're going to go out in the field and you'll live with the beasts, the cows and stuff. And you're going to eat grass." just like a, a cow would or an oxen. And they'll wet you with the, the Lord's going to wet you with the, dew, with, the, with the water of the heaven. And seven years or seven times shall pass over you till, till you know that the Most High rules in the kingdom of Yen and giveth it to whomsoever he will. This is coming upon Daniel, upon Nebuchadnezzar, because Nebuchadnezzar was starting to think, man, I'm really great. I did all this stuff. He was full of pride because he thought, man, I'm the one that conquered all these lands. Look what I've done, man. And God was going to humble him. And look what, uh, look, look what Daniel tells him. He says, verse 26, he says, And where is thy, they, command, they commanded to leave the stump of the tree, the root, thy root shall be sure unto thee, after thou shalt 
have known that the heavens do rule. In other words, God's going to teach you a lesson. And he says, wherefore, O king, let my counsel, let me give you some counsel, and let it be acceptable to you. Break off your sins. Quit sinning by righteousness. And quit in, in thine iniquities, you sin, by showing mercy to the poor, if it may be lengthening of thy tranquility. He's saying, listen, I'm going to give you some counsel, uh, 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 King Nebuchadnezzar, so that maybe this won't happen to you. Stop sinning now and start having mercy and forgiveness and love for others. And he says, so that this won't come. He gave counsel to him. And, and all this came upon the king, the king Nebuchadnezzar. Then at the end of 12 months, he had 12 months God gave him. God is so long-suffering. He gave, gave Nebuchadnezzar 12 months to repent and have a change of heart and ask God to, to forgive him and move on. But after 12 months, the, uh, this is what happened in verse 30. The king spake and said this, Is not this great Babylon that I have built for the house of the kingdom by the might of my power? For the honor of my majesty. You see what he was doing? It's me. It's all about me. Me, me, me. Pride. While the word was yet in his mouth, there came a voice from heaven. Oh, come on now. Only time I remember a voice coming from heaven in scriptures when, when they went on the Mount of Transfiguration and God, and God told um, John and Peter, he says, this is my son, hear him. Now the voice is coming from heaven again to Nebuchadnezzar and said, O King Nebuchadnezzar, to thee it is spoken, the kingdom is departed from you. I'm taking it away. Right after that, King Nebuchadnezzar went nuts. He became sort of thinking like an animal. So they put him out in the field with the cows to dwell out there. He was out there so long, he started growing feathers on his back like, and his nails became like the nails of claws. And he was out there for seven years, out there. And this was the king. So here he was. Uh, then when seven years had passed by, it says in verse 32, you'll know that who, that the, who rules, and he gives, he gives it to whoever he will. The same I was taking it happened. Now look at verse 34. At the end of those seven years, I, Nebuchadnezzar, I want you to look at the attitude change, lifted up my eyes to heaven, and my understanding returned to me. I wasn't crazy anymore. And I blessed the Most High. Hallelujah. And I praised and honored him that lives forever and ever. Whose dominion is an everlasting dominion and his kingdom is from generations to generation. And all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing, including himself. See the attitude change? He had a humbleness there. He was full of pride. Let me tell you something. God doesn't really want to humble you. He gave Nebuchadnezzar 12 months to humble himself. The scripture says, he that exalts himself shall be abased, but he that humbles himself shall be exalted. God wants you to humble yourself. Don't wait for God to humble you because it's going to be like a Nebuchadnezzar humble. He don't want to have to do that. He wants you to humble yourself. Quit running from God. Quit going doing the things to take care of your flesh, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and now the pride of life. And humble yourself to the Lord. Say, Lord, I'm nothing. I'm an unprofitable servant. I'm only doing that which is my duty to do. I'm serving you, God. 
Nebuchadnezzar got the revelation, but he took him seven years being out there like an animal in the field, and he lost his understanding. But look at the last thing that Nebuchadnezzar said on the last verse of this chapter 4. Look what he says. He says, Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the king of heaven. <laughs> he got him 12 months. That's not bad. I mean, <laughs> Right. He wanted more and more and more and more. That's right, Ty. Until he truly lost his life to Christ. Yeah. That's but right. Then he was unhappy. Then he had to write understanding, didn't he? <laughs> he had to write understanding. Look what he said. All those works are truth, and all his wage judgments. And those that walk in pride, he is able to humble, to abase. <laughs> the Lord is well able to bring you down. <laughs> That's right. Being the three daughters, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. If you, when you get, when you let get rid of those three, you know, and you come to that repentance, then you have life. But you cannot. The Bible says the love of the Father is not in you, if you have those three still abiding. And let me tell you something. The enemy, you can you can start giving in to thinking that you're somebody, even in a spiritual kind of way to the outside world. Oh, well, I'm somebody. You know, I can do this and I do this and I'm some good preacher and I'm a good singer. All these different things and think that you're somebody. You always have to remember you're not anybody. You're an unprofitable servant. You're only doing that which is your duty to do. As a minister, I'm a servant. I'm a slave. The Bible says whoever wants to be first among you, let him be your servant. Whoever wants to be chiefest among you, let him be your slave. That's what, it, you know, these people think, well, I, you know, I'm, I'm Reverend so-and-so. Who's Reverend so-and-so? You my slave, man. You are my slave. If you want to get up there and you want to try to lead, then you, you're my slave. If you want to be first, you're my slave. You know, that's the real attitude. We got this thing all backwards, like, oh, I'm, I'm part of Reverend such and such, or I'm part of that preacher over there at such and such. Who is that? Who is that? That's what Paul said. Who is that? Who are we? It's God who, it's God who gives the increase. We're not anything. Yes, sir. I'm going to add a little bit right there, a little testimony for everybody. Not too many people there know who I am or what I'm sure, but and this is good. This is okay, good. Kelly. This has to do with the music. This has to do with the music and the desire and the, the fame and the fortune and all of that that I got so caught up with over the years. Uh, writing a song went around the world and and published on Hosanna Records, whatever, all that. It's like, Paul, uh, to me, it's rubbish. It's just, it's, it's dung. It's a dunghill. I care not about it, but yet it is something that, you know, God used for, for a period of time. But, but then I got caught up with, like, now I need to record my first song. Now I need to do this. Now I need to do that. And I got caught up with the spirit of pride of the world and the lust of the eyes, mm. the lust of the flesh, the pride mm. of life. Yeah, I got all those. I was going through that. Mm. Now, now I care less about it, but yet God now gives it back to me. To do it because now the heart is right. Mm -hmm. The motive is pure. 
And so, and now I'm not doing it for money. I'm just giving it away. Freely receive, freely give. Yeah. So there's the, there's the choice right there. Well, you saw that, Kelly, how that the Lord actually gave the kingdom back to Nebuchadnezzar after he humbled him. He got the kingdom back, but he did it right this time. He says, now I'm going to exalt the Lord. I'm going to let the Lord, it's the Lord who brings down kings and sets up kings. It's not me. It's not about me. It's about what the Lord's doing here. There was another one that was like this. You'll find him in Isaiah chapter 14. His name is called Lucifer. And Lucifer said this. He was, one, he was a right-hand angel. He was way exalted with the Lord. He was a beautiful angel. Uh, and he said this. He says, I will exalt myself above the most high God. I will ascend to the heavens. And he said, I will do this. I will do that. Full of pride. And it cost him everything. He'll spend eternity in hell because of that. I've seen a lot of people over the years, too, uh, even in the religious world, like we talked about, get full of pride, thinking it's me. I remember one, one place I was going, this, this preacher actually thought that uh, it was him that was doing everything. And before long, I saw that he fell. The Bible says in Proverbs, pride comes before the fall. There's pride there. Just wait a little while. The fall is coming right behind it. So we were to repute ourselves as nothing. So isn't that good? When you see that, you break that down. Those three things there are so powerful to be loose from. The, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Watch out for Satan's three daughters there and have nothing to do with that. So back to 1 John. It's, it's like you can't serve two masters, Ben. You can either love one or hate the other. Um, you can either love one or despise the other. Uh, this, is what, this is what Jesus says to look at. In Hebrews 12.2, it says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Looking to him. Keep your eyes set on him. Keep your eyes set, set on the Lord and the will of God and walking in a humbleness and realizing that it's all about the Lord and living in, in him. Praise the Lord. And he says it would. And we, I got a question. Sure, go ahead. I got a question for all the women that are in there, if there's any women there. Uh, what would you do if your husband, uh, you're sitting to your husband going out to dinner with him at a nice romantic dinner or whatever, and you love him and you want to appreciate him, and he's got his phone, and you're talking to him, and, you're, and he's just looking at his phone, just looking at his phone, and he's all caught up with some conversation, and you're like, what are you doing? You know, <laughs> does that show any love towards him to you? No, it doesn't. Well, if you think you have, if you do, you put more energy into that than seeking the Lord, then that also is something that has to be taken down. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Kelly. I appreciate that. Um, let's see where we, let's go from here then. He says now, uh, so we have the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And that reminds me like Jesus, when he said in John 17, he said that we are not of the world. We're not of the world. We're in the world, 
but we're not of the world. We don't follow that way because the world passes away in the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop there um, since we're close, and I want to finish up uh, the second chapter of 1 John. It was, it was good, though. It was a blessing. Uh, and we'll go forward with the rest of 1 John next week. Uh, we didn't quite have the time today. But I want to also bring up one thing uh, also while we're here. Um, I think we have uh, one that wants to be baptized today. Okay, and that's good. Water baptism, I want to just bring that out to you. Uh, the, the, the baptism uh, there, that is, how do I want to say this? There's a baptism in John, in Romans chapter 6, that says when we, he said, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? He said, God forbid, uh, for we are, we are dead. How can we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? For we were buried with him in baptism. Uh, and raised up again with him unto, unto newness of life. Now, th- so that's what baptism, what the true baptism talks about, is going down with Christ, stopping sin, going down with him, that your sins are washed away, and that you resurrect with him. I want to say this. I want to say to all, everyone, everyone here, if you have not been water baptized, now, you say, well, what, what, what about water baptism? Well, the scripture says uh, in Acts 2.38, for one thing, when Peter was preaching on the day of Pentecost, and many had come to come to the Lord. Uh, there, the Bible says, as they were hearing Peter, it says their hearts were pricked. Uh, they were convicted. They had conviction in their hearts, and they said, "Well, what must we do? What do we need to do?" And Peter and Peter said this. He says, "Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And this is for you, for your children, and for as many as the Lord our God shall call." Jesus said this in Matthew 28, 19. He says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. He says, go and preach the gospel to all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit for the remission of sins. Um, Philip ran into, God transported him to, uh, to a chariot where a fellow by the name of Simon, Simeon was on the chariot. And he began to expound to him and explain the scriptures to him. And the man on the chariot says, says, well, I know that I'm supposed to be baptized. There's water right here. Would you baptize him? And he baptized him. Throughout the scriptures, we see where people were baptized in water. Is it necessary? God commanded it that we all be baptized. Jesus himself was, was baptized by John the Baptist, showing us the example that we're to follow. We're to follow his steps. Amen. So if you, you have not been water baptized since you truly believed on the Lord and walked in Christ of, of where you stopped sinning, you need to do so. So I want to make sure that everybody in here understands that. If you have it, get, get water baptized. It's easy to do. You know, but don't get water baptized thinking that water baptism is going to save you alone. Uh, that's not how it works. Uh, when, uh, when I was a Catholic, I got what they called baptized a Christian because they, when you were eight days old or whatever it might have been at that time, that's not the true baptism of the Scriptures. That was a christening that they did as a ritual to try to get away, get your original sin out of your body in case you out of you in case you died as a child and went to hell. Not found in the scriptures. Baptism, water baptism, is to take place after repentance. He said, "Repent and then be baptized." So if there's no repentance, baptism is not going to do you any good. But the first step is to be to realize that you have sinned, to confess your sin. 
Ask God to forgive your sin and have a change of mind that you're not going to sin anymore, that you're done with that. The Bible said, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are past and all things become new. So if, you, if you're still thinking, well, I'm uh, holding on to something that's sinful, your baptism, water baptism is not going to do you any good. You, you're to, first of all, repent. Turn from the way you are. Then say, okay, now I'm ready to be baptized. Follow God's order and his way of doing it to wash away your sins. So I think that some of you may need to think that over or may want to do it tonight or may do it, do it next time. Let me know. And uh, we'll, we'll, we'll want to baptize you. We have, uh, you're going to be baptized tonight. We're going to baptize him in a little while. If anybody wants to join in, you're welcome to or let me know in next service or whenever we'll do that. So I want to encourage you to do that. Why? Because we want to be obedient to the Word of God in everything that he says. Amen. The Word of God is the authority in our life. So we, we obey God, not what we think or what we don't think or the culture or what anybody else thinks. It doesn't matter. We do what the will, what the will of God is. Amen? So when, at the close of the service tonight, uh, after we have communion, we're going to take, we're going to let you change and we'll go outside to, the, to my whirlpool out there and we'll, we'll dunk you as nice and warm. And not, ben, wants, ben wants you to go into Muddy Lake. He, 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 <laughs> praise the Lord. But anyway, it's been a blessing tonight to um, wonderful service time in the Lord, wonderful word. I so appreciate everyone, and uh, it's a real blessing to have all of you. Uh, thank God. Uh, uh, brother, uh, is, is, um, is Don Greek still on? He's gone. He must have got up too high in the hills. <laughs> Hey, Joe, good to see you tonight, brother. I just seen you up there. Good to have you. God is so good. Mm. I love you. I love you. I love you. You're the rose of Sharon to me. I love you, I love you, I love you. And now your sweet face I can see. Jesus is Lord over me. Yes, Lord. Oh, Jesus is Lord over me. Come on and worship the Lord. He's given to me the complete victory. And Jesus. And now you're...
Jesus, your Lord over me. Yes, Lord. For Jesus, your Lord over me. You've given to me the complete victory. And Jesus, your Lord over me. Yes, Jesus, your Lord over me. Thank you, Lord. Father, we love you, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Tookie, could I ask you to have prayer right now, my brother? Would you mind leading us a prayer? There might be a way. Tookie, is Tookie there? Come on. You hear me? Yes, sir. I hear you now. Go ahead. All right. Oh, okay. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this precious word, Lord. And we give thanks for your wonderful commandments, Lord. Lord, we thank you that you're, you're the one that needs to be exalted. Yes. No one else. That yes. No one can take this place. Father, you get all the worship, all the worship and all the yes. glory. Yes. And you, Lord. Your holy name, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Good prayer, brother. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Let's all stand, please. And uh, you guys on Skype or YouTube, we'd ask that you join with us. If you have uh, some bread, wine, or, or grape juice, whatever. Excuse me. gathered together in, upper, in that room before the Passover. Jesus took the bread. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. He took the bread and he broke it. And he said, take this and eat on all of you as we eat on Jesus. Jesus. Thank you, Lord. After they had eaten the bread, he took the cup. He says, this is my blood that I shed for you. The blood of, of eternal life. To drink, to drink his life. But his life in the blood. And he took it and they drank.
At this time, we're gonna. Um, did you bring some clothes to change into or anything? Okay, we'll give we'll get you some. Todd knows I can do that. I know my clothes will fit on that guy, don't Todd? <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Uh, uh, Cedric, uh, go ahead and close this out prayer again, would you? Father, thank you for this time, God, that we get to gather in your name, Lord. As he said before, we lift your name up, Lord, we exalt you, God. You are the most important thing to us, to this fellowship anyway. God, you are our head, not Pastor Don, Lord, you are our head. That's right. We lift God to you our prayer, our guidance, we worship you, Lord. You are our teacher, God. Teach us throughout the week. Guide our path, Lord. Keep us steady, God. As your word says in Jude 1, 24, you will keep us faultless, God, to present us before you, Lord, on judgment day, blameless, God. We hold fast to that promise, as well as 1 Corinthians 6, 1, that you are working together with us. God, we are working with you, and we will abide. As John said, Lord, we take these promises, God, you've given us, God. We apply them to our lives. We remain faithful and remain in your love, God. We will love our brethren. Yes. We will communicate. We will continue to fellowship. We will continue to love one another and to love our neighbor as ourselves, Lord. To not hate them. To share the gospel with them. Amen. To put blood on our sword, Lord. To not be afraid yes. to be offensive or to be offended. Lord, allow us to walk this walk with you, Lord. Help us to understand the things that we not understand in the word. Take the shields off of the eyes of those that can't see. And take the sin away, Lord, that the people are in bondage to. I pray that they would draw nigh to you, God, in James 4, and that you would draw nigh to them. Yes, Lord. Another precious promise, Lord. We hold fast to these. We apply these to your name. We give you glory, honor, and praise, Lord. For you are worthy of it all. The King of kings and the Lord of lords. Your name is above every name, Lord. We prioritize you, God. Yes, Lord. You are our main. Thank you, Jesus. In your name I pray. Amen. I want to thank everyone for being here tonight. I want to thank all the ones on Skype that was with us. God bless you. Thank you for your comments. Uh, I want to thank everyone on, on YouTube. Uh, it's great to have you and uh, be with us in service. And we ask that you press the subscribe button and the notification so that you'll get future uh, services from us. Be sure this week, guys, all of you, to mention one another in prayer, to pray for one another, to support the ministry, to give to those that are poor, and to do the things and bring forth fruit of your life into the Lord and loving one another. God bless you. Hope you have a wonderful week, a wonderful time. We want to hear from you. And uh, thank the Lord for this service and this time together. Have a great night. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Hello, Mr. Larry. I'm going to get you some clothes, and then we'll do the... Do the